Hey, welcome back. Guys, we had an amazing discussion last time, and it just, you know, we had to keep it going. Uh, we were talking about importance versus urgency, and we had to just come back with it and continue the conversation. This is Dave Swain with Vision Technology Management. My partner in crime, Doug Johnson. How are you doing, Doug? I am good, Dave. Thanks good. for the invite. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, like I said, we, we started down the path of importance versus urgency and how to how to address that in the operation. But we also talked about this monster of a conversation. And I mean, I, I've jokingly said to, to you as well as some others of, you know, these are bunny trails that probably would make Alice in Wonderland wish for Wonderland. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that I think we really have to look at and, and, and really try to break it down into usable sound bites. And I, and that's a real tough conversation because it's the wild, wild west out there, Doug. Nobody really knows what it means. What does carbon, the carbon markets mean? What does sustainability mean? Uh, we touched on ESG, environmental social governance what does that mean and the sad thing about it is is when you go to different businesses when you go to different legislators guess what you're going to get a different answer every time doug this is something that i think you're probably one of the better subject matter experts on and I'm going to let you kind of talk about some of these things. And, and I think you've got it kind of broken down into some, some categories that, that will help us at least digest this a little easier. So I'm going to let you kind of take off with this, hit the topics, and then let's, uh, let's have a conversation. Dave, this is something I'm really passionate about because <clears throat> our farm, now we're going to have uh, the sixth generation, that, that means the grandkids, how do we keep farmers farming, ranchers ranching, egg lenders lending? So this is a true passion of mine. And when I look at urgent and important, so if you missed that last podcast, make sure you listen to that last podcast. There's a lot of good fundamentals in there, and we're going to play off that. What's urgent is what we look at right now today. Flip on the news, that's what's urgent. Economy, interest rates, inflation. What's important is what's coming. And when I when I speak at events, I say, listen, you see urgent because it's everywhere. It's in the news press. What's important is what we're not necessarily seeing much of, but it's coming. Things are being developed. It's swimming under the waters. And mm -hmm. when it surfaces, our ag industry, we do not want to be surprised at what happened. We should never ask. How did this happen? So let me let me boil down some cliff notes of ESG and climate and where it could head. Number one, you all know about the 2023 Farm Bill, trying to figure out where it's going to be, what it's going to include. Well, there, there's really five areas of focus. I'm going to highlight two of them. One of them says increased focus on conservation and climate benefits. That's what they're going to talk about in the Farm Bill, climate benefits, ESG. Another bullet point that was listed is how do we improve education? What is ESG? What is 
what could it impact? How could it impact the farm? So here's three things about ESG. And I, I, I know they're separate ESG slash climate folks. I'm going to mush them together because it's a concept. Okay. Yep. Yep. In the ESG and carbon, ESG and climate, there's three bullet points that I want to talk about. Carbon, methane, alternative livestock production, carbon sequestration. You have probably heard about, you can, you can document and apply and get paid for sequestering carbon on your farm. If you are currently tilling and you want to apply to the carbon on your fields and farms, you could get a check for doing that, changing the way you produce, changing your tillage practices, your cover some crop. Are, some are actually calling it another cash crop for an operation. And there you go, David. There's a couple, there's a couple gotchas here now. So oh, yeah, lots this, of them. This is why I think Cliff Notish that this whole carbon credit getting paid to sequester carbon because you could be currently no-till cover crop and you're not eligible because you've been doing this for decades. You're not eligible to get paid to sequester carbon because you're already carbon neutral. They're you looking look for the incremental increase in carbon sequestration, not the current. Not the current. So if you're already if you're already there, you can't get better. You're not going to get paid. It's for the current farming practices to get you to the neutrality is where they want. That's how you get. So that doesn't make sense. So one of the things that I've I've shared in the past, what if now I'm going to go down the, the dark side for a second, instead of getting paid to sequester carbon, what if our government said we're going to tax you for leaving a carbon footprint? then it becomes somewhat fair and equal across the board. If you're already carbon neutral, you're not going to get a check. You're not getting a check today. If you're leaving a footprint, you in theory would get taxed and that would get you to become carbon neutral. Now, I don't, I haven't heard any talk about that, but when I look at important long-term, guess what? This makes sense and I don't like it. There's the proverbial carrot and stick. Yes. Yes. So carbon sequestration, Dave, your words were perfect. This is the wild, wild west we're living in right now. And so carbon sequestration today, you can get uh, paid to sequester. Here's another thing that I just heard about. There are companies going to farmers that are carbon neutral and they are buying their carbon credits. Mm -hmm. And they're selling them to companies that cannot be carbon neutral. So in theory, you like, well, wait, someone's going to buy my carbon credits. That's wonderful. It's like that new cash crop, right? Here's the thing to think about. What if legislation, the farm bill says your farm has to be carbon neutral, but you've already sold your credits? You've sold your rights. What are you going to do now to get your farm carbon neutral? Because you're selling what you're already at zero on. Now, how are you going to well, get out? And I also understand, I've, I've also experienced in the last few months, 
people that are working in certain parts of the industry, producer lot wise, if they get into relationships with certain companies, those companies assume the rights of those carbon credits. So the grower gets nothing out of it. The producer gets nothing because it's whoever they're cooperating with. They think there's a benefit enough there that they lose the rights to their carbon credits. So understand when you start having those conversations, some of the new negotiating tactics you need to look at when you have those conversations. David, that is so critical. I equate it to buying mineral rights on your mm -hmm. It and is a mineral right. And, and what, what my concern is, if you give that up, and all of a sudden the farm bill says you have to capture carbon on your farm, you've given it up. What are you going to do? How are you going to produce and farm to meet the requirements? There was an elevator that was actually paying. This is how wild it is right now. There was an elevator that was actually paying a premium on corn that was raised on carbon neutral ground. We don't know where this is going to go. There's all kinds of new, let's call it, technology being developed that is supposed to in theory help sequester carbon on your ground and help with water retention and help with leaching of the chemicals one thing you should look at is look at biochar b-i-o-c-h-a-r biochar and, and again i'm going to cliff note this it's like your charcoal briquettes that you do in the barbecue barbecue grill you just have little pellets of those you spread across the field and the intent is to help your field sequester carbon help it retain moisture help it reduce nutrient le leaching reduce fertilizer all of this and there are some of the biostimulants that are out on the market today that you spray on let's let's just use corn stalks as an example it does the breakdown and basically helps, for, forgive the, the use of the terminology, but sequester the, the, the nutrients, all of the carbon in the, in the stubble, in the stalks. It sequesters it from evaporating or going up into the air. It makes sure that it gets down into the soil, again, sequestering carbon. Yeah. So, so there are some opportunities even without an application, you know, a big purchase application. And Dave, this, this is where I don't think there's a clear vision forward. Mm -hmm. I don't think we know, I, I would even be scared to guess where we're going to end up 12 months from now, let alone five years from now, how this is going to impact the industry. So to all the listeners, the first bullet point when it comes to ESG, climate, and where our industry is headed, potential farm bill regulation, number one, Read up, talk to Dave about carbon sequestration. Dave's kind of all over this. So just things to watch out for, okay, before you start mm -hmm. signing contracts. Number two, for our livestock industry, and I know I mentioned this before, but in Cumming County, Nebraska, where I'm from, our farm, we have, in Cumming County, there are 300,000 head of cattle, 9,000 head of people. That is a lot of cattle, most of it open air feedlots. And again, methane capture, you all know this, 
The belching cows release the methane into the atmosphere. That's the hot gas into the uh, greenhouse gas emissions. If there is regulation that says we need to capture methane, I want you to think about this. You have cow-calf guys. You have open-air feedlots. And if somebody says we need to capture methane, that's the hot gas. My question is, who makes a tarp big enough to cover Cumming County, Nebraska? 300,000 head of cattle. Not possible. If you have confinements, Dave, you've talked about this. You have poultry confinements, pork confinements, cattle confinement. If you have a building with livestock, you can capture methane. You can run it through an anaerobic digester and convert it to natural gas and your byproducts. That's one option. My question is, how does that impact the smaller producer, the livestock producer, that can't afford to buy an anaerobic digester. What is that going to do to their uh, their decision? Are, am I going to raid livestock or am I done with that? How is that anaerobic, how's the methane capture going to impact a 20,000 head feedlot? You can put mm -hmm. it over the pits, but that doesn't put a tarp over the lots. So what is this methane potential capture going to do to the cattle producers? So what we have to watch is anaerobic digesters have a place for the confinements, but I don't have any, I don't have any answers, Dave, to how we help the livestock industry, the cow-calf, the open-air feedlots. So here's my theory, bullet point one, ESG climate, what could that lead to? They're watching climate or carbon sequestration, bullet point one. Bullet point two everybody's looking at is how do we capture methane, the unknown. If we have to capture carbon, capture methane, and we don't have a way to do it, that could change the way farmers farm, ranchers ranch, livestock producers produce, and it could grow into an alternative meat source. Now, this is going <laughs> to seem a little radical, so I just want to touch on this lab-grown meat. And Dave, I think we need to do another episode on this. Yes. So we do what is lab-grown meat. There's a huge mis. I'm going to I'm going to give you the teaser. Yep. Teaser. Lab-grown meat ladies and gentlemen, is different than plant-grown meat. Lab-grown mm -hmm. meat is meat extracted from a hog, a live, uh, cattle, whatever, put in a Petri dish, and it is meat-growing meat. Dave, I'm not going to say any more than that because I think we better do another episode on educating what is this? Is this real? Is it snake oil? Well, and I, I don't think that it's – I think it's real at the end of the day, because it's happening already. It's already being grown. Now, is it in the mainstream? No. So I think there's there's some there's some legs to this, but it is again, how do we how do we determine whether it's urgent and, or important? And how do we still look at positioning our operations? Again, whether it is a lender, 
whether it is an agribusiness or whether it is a producer, these are the things that we really have to have in our in our strategic plan and determine, do I have to deal with it today, the urgency, or is it a part of my strategic plan in a one, three, five year plan? I mean, you've talked about that one, three, five year plan and really look at how does this impact how I am going to do business moving forward. Yep. There's a lot to unpack here and, and we and we've done a lot here. Any closing comments, Doug? Yes. Tune in. This will be one of the most interesting podcasts, thought-provoking podcasts you'll listen to. Tune in to Dave's next podcast on lab-raised meat. It is mind-blowing where it's at and the potential where it could go. Fantastic. Fantastic. As Doug said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing a lot of things with a lot of uh, different aspects of the business. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. So again, the shameless plug, give me a call. Give me a call at 765-701-0493. That's 765-701-0493. Or email me at dave.swain at visiontechmanagementmgmt.com. And closing comment, as always, you have to be strategic in your thinking. Develop the tactics to accomplish your goals. And then being intentional in your actions to be successful. Those are the things that we really want to help you focus on with this, this series. And we really look forward to that next thing that uh, we can talk about. And as Doug teased, we're going to probably talk about lab-raised meats. And and the and the thing that that ant excuse the pun but that animal could turn into in our industry. We thank you for your time, Doug. I thank you for for being uh, a part of this. I really enjoy our conversations, and we'll catch up with you next time. Have a great day.